Hello and welcome back to the Villa Villa podcast. I'm here as always with my good friend Dan Wiseman. Dan, Aston Villa 3, Fulham 1. First of all, mate, before we get into all that, how are you doing? Because <laughs> I'm sure you're better than you were about 20 minutes ago. <laughs> yes, a lot better, mate. A lot better. Um, it's, it's really hard to, to describe how you feel after a performance like that, isn't it? Because I'd written off, to be honest with you, as I was just saying before we came on air, I was like, we were down as soon as Mings made that pass back that Mitchell then intercepted. I was like making my dinner. I was like, oh, God. Another <laughs> defeat. I can't believe it. And then before you know it, before a blink of an eye, I was sat there on my sofa and suddenly feels like a completely different afternoon altogether, doesn't it, mate? Unbelievable stuff. And uh, yeah, it's improved my mood no end. And I'm sure you're exactly the same. Absolutely, man. I mean, there's a lot of discourse online on Twitter this morning around the, the Jack injury. I don't really know who it was that, um, I don't want to, I was going to say started the rumour. It's not a rumour. It's obviously a fact he, he missed today. So it, it kind of, Twitter weren't really a nice place this morning. If you guys follow me on Twitter, you'd have probably seen that I've just kind of been a bit sort of mopey about the whole situation, just not really wanting to talk about Villa. So today has actually been really good because I feel like we can actually have a positive and somewhat constructive debate, discussion about what's going on with Aston Villa, obviously. Uh, and I think, I mean, Dan, we have to get address the elephant in the room straight away. That is the first goal, Tyrone Mings. And you know, I mean, I couldn't even check Twitter, man, because you know what it's going to be like. It's a glaring mistake. It's awful. You can't excuse it, right? You absolutely can't. And I'm not excusing it, right? But there's nine other outfield players that also have to do their job. And up to that point, Ty had done his job, you know, relatively well. Villa hadn't conceded. It's on the other nine. Football is about scoring goals, Dan. You have to score more goals than your opponent. The other nine players, you know, the, the attacking players, less, I don't want to have to bunch the defenders into that because that, you know, I'm overly critical there. But the midfielders and the forwards weren't doing their job. Villa hadn't scored a goal. It's easy to say, oh, you know, this on another day, this would have costed Villa had, you know, the goals. But you know, as I was saying, other people have to do their jobs. Ming's made a mistake. It was a horrible mistake. Everybody does that. Everybody who's played football knows anybody is capable of that. The situation has been cranked up to 100 because it's Tyrone Ming's and he's always capable of a mistake and it's this and it's that. And listen, I appreciate that. But, I mean, he hit the ball into the ground. What else, like, what else can he do? This is, it's not a lack of, a lapse of concentration. He just made a poor back pass. Look at John Stones the other night for England. Mm-hmm. virtually the same thing and here we are but I, I don't want to dwell on that too much Dan I feel like we all kind of know where we stand on things with this podcast so we'll kind of we'll leave that debate at that and I actually think Dan Villa have really we've, I mean we've really been let off the hook here haven't we we really have because you know obviously going 1-0 down Alexander Mitrovic scoring that goal Villa didn't look like they could buy a goal to get back in this game and as soon as the teams kicked off as soon as I saw the lineups. I thought this game had 0-0 written all over it. Now, obviously, at 1-0 down, you're thinking, Jesus, how are we getting back into this game, Dan? What really changed was, and I don't want to give Dean too much credit here, Dan, and I'm, I know you aren't going to give him much, if any, credit at all for this, is the substitutions. Because I feel the Villa, you guys know what the Villa Villa is about. We like to break things down. We like to give you the stats. We like to give you the cold, hard facts bundled with the eye test. You guys know what you get on this podcast, right? I cannot tell you what formation Aston Villa played today in the second half of the second half. I can't, I can't break that down for you. That was yeah. sheer luck. We've seen Dean do it before. Again, I don't want to give him too much credit. I'm, 
over the moon. I'm elated that Villa have got the three points here, Dan. But this is like a one in a million thing where, you know, we've pulled it off and it's actually worked, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, mate. Um, it's, I think what's happened today is quite remarkable, really, considering how poor we were. Let's face it, if we're going to face facts. You know, we waited until the 76th minute to have a shot on target. Jesus, against man. a side in the relegation zone, which is Fulham. And even then it was saved. But in, you know, that stat in itself sums up the game perfectly, doesn't it? Because then with our next three shots on target, we scored three goals. It's, it's utterly re- remarkable, really. Um, and it, I think we have to consider the fact that it plays into a problem that has plagued Fulham all season. Uh, only Southampton and Brighton, Southampton have dropped 18, Brighton 17, have dropped more points from winning positions in the Premier League this season than Fulham, uh, who are undergoing real problems. That was very similar of, of the Villa last season, wasn't it, mate? Yeah. Um, and, you know, Villa couldn't hold on to a lead to, to save our money. And um, I felt that Fulham, you know, let, let, let's just start this off with, with some positive. I, I've, if, the Premier League lose Fulham this season, I think I'd be disappointed because yeah. I like how they play. I like their manager. I like that they have a really nice core of young players that I think a, squad, neutral, a, neutral, a neutral can get behind. I think um, your neutrals like players like Mitro, who had a fantastic international break, five goals in 203 minutes, became Serbia's all-time top scorer. Um, there's a lot to like about that squad and I, I thought I didn't think we saw the best of Fulham today but I, I thought we saw enough for me to be convinced that there's a place in the Premier League next season for a squad like Fulham's but looking at it from the Villa's perspective you can't it's really difficult to say because we changed the shape I think we need to give a big shout out to Keenan Davis who I think came on absolutely won that Keenan ball back Yes, absolutely. And gave Villa a, a crucial goal. And, you know, when Villa have a lot to say about play, players like Trezeguet, Villa fans especially have a, a lot to say about players like Trezeguet, saying that he's limited, he's not a player that you can rely on. And and for the most part, I would agree with that sentiment. I don't think you can rely on Trezeguet. I don't think he is a player that gives you 8 out of 10 week in, week out. But... As we're learning, Dan, as we le- begin to learn more about Trezeguet, as we sort of dig further and further into his second season with the club, is that when you need the big moments, when you need goals in crucial times of crucial games, he's there a lot is, of man. the time. And he's given us two, two very, very important goals today that have really turned the game around from two shots on target, you know, two, two shots on goal, two goals for Trezeguet this afternoon, which is exactly what we brought him on to do. And we this Villa squad seems to flip-flop between Trezeguet and El Ghazi. And it seems that Dean Smith, much like us like here on, you know, in the Villa fan base, really struggles to determine who's the superior winger out of the two. I think Trezeguet's just made his claim to close out the season. I think he has, man. There's a lot to be said about the uh, Villa's wingers just in general. And I mean, those two goals today, Dan, are Trez's first two of the season, which is again, something that you kind of have to consider in that kind of white hot form that we saw Amor have in uh, November, December time, scored five goals in, in seven games, looking really good. 
Trez didn't look like he could get anywhere near. Now, it's an enigma because Trezeguet can go uh, this far into the season. He, you know, he's made 20 appearances and he's only just scored his first and second goal. Uh, you know, he, he's, he's got himself an assist so far this season as well. You want more goal contributions from your winger. But I mean, games like today, it, like this is Trezeguet at his best. And it actually kind of, I feel like his cameo really just summed him up as a player in general because he missed a glaring chance at the back post with that initial header that nearly went out for a throw in. And then with his next two shots on target, he scores. That's Trezeguet in a nutshell. It's frustrating. You have to try and, you know, I, I, I don't know, really. You have to manage these players in a certain way. You have to try and get the best out of them somehow. Whether you persist with them, you know, even when they're going for a dry patch or not, that's Dean's decision. But, you know, he scored two very important goals today. I tweeted earlier saying, you know, Sun's out, Anwar and Trezeguet, they're going to be on form. Uh, some, someone quoted saying Trezeguet and, and Masterclass don't go in the same sentence. You, my friend, are wrong. Because, uh, you know, th- them two goals made a difference today. And interestingly as well, is, is, is all the chat about Keenan Davis, right? Because I was saying this earlier. In the first half, Villa, and this is kind of highlighted in the average positions. You know me. I'm a sucker to bring up the average positions. You can actually see here on, on, on the map that is uh, spelled out by, here by who scored. There's a little triangle here that is sat in uh, comfortably in the Fulham half. And you've got Morgan Sanson is, is the deepest of the three with Matt Target and Amar El Ghazi. They're all forming this nice little triangle down the left-hand side. That don't tell a story, though, because the, the interplay was like almost there. There was there were always just a pass too short, or you know, on the on the half turn trying to receive the ball, and while give away the ball far too many times for my liking. And as is a staple, whenever Jack Grealish is in the side, most of the action is coming down Villa's left hand side. I mean, forty three percent of the action did still come down from Villa's left hand side. Old habits die hard. Matt Target is a very attacking fullback, but actually, if you look at the heat maps, a lot of the attention actually comes from Villa's right-hand side. And that really, the meaningful attacks came from that side when Keenan Davis came on. Because I think Keenan is probably a victim of, uh, you know, the previous regime uh, and, and, and the position he's ended up adopting within the squad himself. Because at Biggleswood United, Keenan Davis was a winger. Now, listen, it is clear Keenan Davis does not have the pace to run the wings, to run the channels. But... He actually does have the technical ability. And we saw that with the cross that he delivered into the box to Trezor Gate, Dan. Inch-perfect cross. And he kind of operates. And I, 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 I mentioned this, Dan, when we were talking about the forwards in our podcast the other day on, on, on transfer targets, um, mainly about Lucina Traore. And when I, look at, when I look at Liverpool, I don't see two wingers and a striker. You see three forwards. Whereas mm. when you look at Aston Villa, you see two wingers and a striker. And for me, that's the difference between being, you know, obviously an Aston Villa and being a Liverpool. Having that fluidity, having that flexibility in the final third down for me is really important. Now, obviously, Keenan is this striker, come winger. We'll call him a forward just to make it a bit easier. Adopting this space kind of inside right, you know, he, he really did. He, he occupies, a pre- he has a presence and he occupies the defenders in a way that Villa's other forwards don't do. Of course, if you have Wesley back, it's a completely different story because he is, of course, the most physical centre-forward that Villa have at the club. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure we'll get on to talking about Wesley uh, maybe near the end, Dan, given, given the, uh, the, the little run-out that he had. But Villa, uh, this is a really long and convoluted way of me saying that until Villa made the substitutions, the options weren't there out wide. 
And all of Villa's goals ended up coming from crosses delivered into the box from wide positions. It's quite telling, really, isn't it? Yeah, I think you've got to give some credit to, A, the players that sort of put it on their own shoulders to get the game back. And I do mean Tyrone to an extent, who gets the assist for the first goal. Because it was his mistake that, and you know, we can't shy away from that. It was his mistake that cost Villa that opening goal and and allowed Mitrovic to score. But you've then got a number of players who really shouldered the responsibility. And I think you have to concede a Keenan in that conversation who pressures uh, Tosin Adario for the second goal and crosses for, for Trezeguet to get his second. And, and that really encapsulated a spirit in the Villa side that we've been lacking for so long. You know, this is three, when you watch the first half of that game, that's the third first half of a Villa home game in a row where we haven't registered a shot on target, which is not just uninspiring, but unacceptable. I think, I think absolutely you have to be honest. Um, It's not good enough with the quality that we have still in that side. I know we don't have Jack, but there's still enough in that side to register more of a threat than we have managed to do for long periods of the game. But you can dwell on that or you can look at the fact that Villa really dug deep and in a game where it meant so much to our opposition, given the relegation fight that they're in, given how Newcastle got a result earlier against a side like Spurs, given how important points are to that side down the bottom, you know, you have to consider also that Fulham are on a, currently on a club top flight record of eight consecutive away games without defeats. The, the last team that they lost to in an away game before today was Man City uh, at the Etihad. And they've been... Really, Proper fight in that game as well. Yeah, they've been really quite formidable for a long time away from home. You know, it's quite easy to look at this game and think that you know, we're playing a side who are in the relegation zone. Villa, given the position that we're in today, have a lot more about them, have a lot more quality, have a lot more points on the table above all else to, to go out and get a win today. And it's quite easy to write off Fulham, but their performance, in a, you know, this is, a, a as I was saying, a club all-time top record that they're achieving with this game and could have gone one better. They're on a, a really quite impressive run and they're starting to pick things up. And Scott Parker, as I said, I've got a lot of respect for and. It's not easy, but Villa dug deep and we have to give credit to the substitution that he made. I think there's a lot to be taken from the fact that Dean Smith didn't turn to Ross Barkley today. Yeah. Definitely something to be to be looked into. You know, it, JJ again came on before before Ross did and uh, I know he didn't get too many minutes, but there's something to, to be certainly read into that as well. Um, and this is... Again, we're starting to see Villa really end some hoodoos, mate. And again, we've finally, finally beaten that points tally that we saw Villa put up in 09-10. It feels like we've been saying that for so long, doesn't it? It's like Villa need three more points to better their best ever Premier League tally for 10 years. It feels like we've been getting to that milestone for ages. And whilst we, Emmy Martinez is still t- chasing that one elusive clean sheet that will give him the record Tom, from man. that same season, Villa have now got that points tally. And I think it is certainly from this point on that we can consider that a successful season. And, you know, Jack will come back soon. 
I think we can say that safely. You know, it's it's a shame that he seems to have picked up that extra yeah. little niggle that's keeping him out of, of games like today. But we came up in the clutch today, mate, and it's hard to be too negative. It is. And listen, Fulham came to Villa Park with a game plan and they were very effective in restricting Villa. And, you know, that's shown both sides only averaged a passing streak of four passes, which is really poor if you're looking at that from a Villa perspective. But then you've got to look at how well organised Fulham were. Obviously, they had the two sitters with Lamina and Reed. Reed's up there. He made the most tackles in the game five. And, you know, they really restricted Villa. And it's actually interesting because if you're looking at, uh, at, at the players who had the most amount of shots in the game, Trezeguet is, is, is Villa's highest and with four shots and he's a substitute. He only obviously played 30 minutes. Um, and, you know, I guess that's very telling if you're looking at the tackles as well. Uh, you know, two of the top five out of both teams, you've got Douglas Luiz, you've got Morgan Sanson. Again, both are uh, players who ended up coming off. They were substituted. So again, that tells you as, as soon as... Because I feel like as soon as Villa got the first goal, it became less of this sort of war of attrition that you were seeing from both sides, whereby I feel like in the first half, especially, it was it, they were both kind of trading big blows in terms of as soon as the ball's up the pitch, all of a sudden the winger loses possession, bam, same thing again, rinse and repeat. Villa, as soon as they got the goal, the initial goal, really took control of this game. And again, I don't really want to credit Dean too much for the substitutions because I can't tell you coherently how Villa operated and that approach doesn't work next week against Liverpool and it doesn't work last game against Tottenham. That's like, it works today and of course, massively grateful for it. But I feel like it, this was less of a Dean Smith masterclass than it was a Scott Parker disaster class. And uh, Dan, to come on to the XG, because uh, I think it was Ian actually, shout out to Ian, uh, subscriber, always in the comments, always in the tweets. It means the most. Uh, tweeted me halfway through the second half saying, I hope you've got your XG stats. Well, but here we go, Liam, here we are. And I've just actually clicked off it just to try and find your name, mate. So I'm very sorry. Um, but Aston Villa, XG 1.92 compared to Fulham's 1.41. And I mean, when you're looking at the kind of, we're going to contextualise that with the kind of attempts that were made, uh, you know, Villa and Fulham pretty evenly matched 14 to 15, nine from open play for Villa, 13 from open play from Fulham. Again, neither team really looked like scoring this whole game. I kind of felt coming into this game, it, it had nil-nil written all over it. Who would have thought that we were going to be gifted this wonderful final 20 minutes, Dan, in which Villa make this massive comeback? And again, it, it, it poses a lot of questions to Dean. And again, we're going to really see what Dean is made of next week come Liverpool because you can't drop Trezeguet. And there's very much a debate for, you know, does Jacob start again next week? Does Keenan start? Of course, 99 of the comments are going to say no, but listen, Keenan Filler podcast, been with him since day one, Keenan van der Storoy. So uh, that assist made me a very, very happy man, Dan. And it, it, again, it just, Dan, it feels nice. We've, we've not, the last, I mean, the last win we had in the Premier League was away at Ellen Road to Leeds. It feels like it was an important win. And, you know, as, of course, as soon as you go one nil down as well, you're thinking, Jesus Christ, it's a good job. We're actually at this 40 point mark already because it, it, it looks hopeless for a long time during this game, Dan. It really did. Yeah. And, and look, I think depending on, you know, the Villa fan base is so perfectly divided between glass half full and glass half empty types of fans, yeah. I feel. Yeah. And you can look at this in one or two ways. You really can. And, and for the first 70 minutes of this game, 
we really were unacceptable. But we have 18 more points now after 29 Premier League games than we did last season, which is our highest top vitality since 09-10, as I keep saying, when we finished sixth, which is not something you can really ignore. Um, I think, again, that highest tally in a, in a Premier League decade, you know, Oli again scoring a goal. Only Harry Kane has scored more Premier League goals at home this season than Oli Watkins. Oli Watkins is really embedded into life at Villa Park and it looks like next season especially, we can really expect some quality numbers from him as he continues yeah. to embed in the Premier League. And look, you know, I don't think for a second it's all sunshines and rainbows. We were really quite poor today, but you can only, you can't ignore the fact that we went on to score three goals ultimately, mate. And I think next year, next game, sorry, against, against Liverpool will really dictate how we can expect the next 12 months of Villa to go because it's all very well, get, very well and good doing this against Fulham. But how we step up against Liverpool, who have certainly improved in recent weeks and are starting to not look like the side that we saw last season, but become increasingly like the Liverpool that we're used to seeing week in, week out, will ultimately dictate what we can expect from Villa towards the end of the season. But now, realistically, with Villa sat in ninth, it is very difficult to be too critical. And look, I'm not saying for a second that, you know, there isn't some blame to be placed at the foot of Dean Smith, who... There is some real confusion about the Jack Grealish situation and I don't think that can be ignored given the result that we've gone yeah. and got how we've been left so in the lurch about what's going on in that situation. I don't think is ultimately... It's not fair, but I understand no, why. Fair, no, I, I mean, look, I think at the end of the day, considering the role, you know, if we were talking about... No disrespect to these players, but Matty Cash's ongoing injury, Wesley's ongoing injury, players like that, you yeah. can... Such ambiguity would, would not be such an issue. But when it's Jack Grealish, and I'm not going to sit here and, and talk to everyone on this podcast about what Jack Grealish means to the squad and this fan base, because everyone listening knows, but we deserve a clarity. And I, I don't think the club have done themselves any favours how they've handled this. But looking over that, I think we can expect them, it seems, in the next game. Maybe. And it's risky to say, man. Well, it yeah. is, isn't it? It is. <laughs> you know, we really don't know. We're but... not in the know. The, no. The fact is, is that Liverpool have played one more game than us and they only sit five points ahead of us. It's crazy, isn't context, it? man. Context is everything, isn't it? It really is. Like this season, it's been amazing. Never, you can't, you yeah, can't. We saw Villa go on that 10 match win streak in the championship. We've been saying for a long time on this podcast is that whilst this season looks done and dusted, Dan, you can never, ever, ever rule off this Villa season. The last two seasons, the Villa looked done and dusted. We looked done and dusted for another season in the championship. We looked done and dusted. For another season in the championship following relegation. Villa looked done and dusted for a mid-table finish this season, but can you roll us out? No. Would you no, like to bet against us? I don't I don't know, mate. I don't know. And just all I can say really, just to kind of wrap this up, is just enjoy that, Villa fans. Just enjoy it. Like, you know, as I said earlier, if you guys have followed me on Twitter, you'd know I'm just kind of 
fed up about talking about Villa because it seems like whatever you say, it's not right. And I just we've won we've won the game today. We just need to enjoy that. We have a big game against Liverpool next week, which again, Dan, you know, five points between the two sides. If and I say if, if anything can happen next week, then you know we we're looking for a really interesting end and a few little twists and turns maybe for the end of this season. Now, listen, I'm going to cover that game, give you my five reasons in five minutes uh, later on in the week. Dan, as always, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, speaking with you. Finally, after a win, it's been far too long, far too overdue. And hopefully you guys will be here in your numbers because we've missed you. We've missed you. Maybe the algorithms kept you away. Maybe the performances have kept you away. But listen, we're still trying to grow just like Villa. So if we can end the season out on a really positive note on the channel, that's all we're looking for, isn't it, Dan? That's all we're looking for. Man, people seem to be enjoying the content, even though there haven't been the masses. The support that you guys have given us has been truly overwhelming and it means the most, man, especially, uh, you know, given how poor Villa have been, the fact that people are still choosing to come in and listen to Dan and I speak about Villa truly means the world. So there will be yeah. some more, plenty more content coming uh, before the end of this season. Things are kind of getting a bit busy with uh, university work, dissertations and that, that we're just trying to get smashed out. But listen, as soon as that's over, guys, we're all yours. Uh, and Dan, I think we need, I think we need to, we need to do one of these in the park, don't we? We need to get, go, yes, get it going, absolutely. comments under style. We need to uh, uh, have that Villa filler link up that we've not had in so long, mate. So too hopefully long, that's something as well long. that our audience can enjoy. But as I say, that's a great note, I think, for us to end the podcast on. Enjoy the rest of your bank holiday weekend, Villa fans. If you enjoyed this podcast, hit the like, comment your thoughts below on the game. Let us know who your man of the match was. I think it's fair to say it was Trezeguet, but let us know anyway in the comments below. And also, if you're not subscribed, Please subscribe. It would mean the absolute most. Up the villa.